Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Before I enter in, I wrote my homily this week because it needed to be a little bit more uh, specific or formal, if you will, uh, but it is going to be a homily on politics. So if you're sick of that, just daydream about your favorite vacation growing up. And uh, when you come back, I'll still be up here banging on, all right? So just so you know. I want to be upfront with all of you. This homily will address politics, our faith, issue one, which is in November and deals largely with abortion, and the importance of each of us to take action as a people of faith. The month of October is Respect Life Month. And Bishop Malesic has asked all priests to preach about the political landscape facing all Ohioans this November. Before I get into specifics, I'd like to talk about faith and politics at the outset. Please know that the Catholic Church loves talking about the Trinity's loving and saving power. We love talking about that power and love entering the world in Jesus and touching us in the scriptures, sacraments, and church teaching. We joyfully tell stories of the countless saints and martyrs who embody the truth that make our faith, that our faith makes life more beautiful, human, and inspiring. We enjoy proclaiming and showing off the beauty of the arts the faith has produced, from canticles to cathedrals to paintings and poetry. We are proud to have produced and to teach from some of humanity's brightest men and women who have been philosophers, scientists, theologians, and mystics. But our faith will be reduced to an ideal if it doesn't stay rooted in Jesus, the incarnate deity, who shows us that God addresses and enters into all human realities, even politics. The connection between our faith and politics is often overlooked and some falsely fall into believing that these two realities should never touch. However, a quick overview of the sacred scriptures will reveal that God engages with all human realities, food, love, friendship, and yes, even politics. To begin, Abraham was promised to become a father to many nations, not a father to a very special private spiritual experience. Then we read that Israel was formed by God as a nation, eventually with kings and laws of governance to show other nations the goodness of God revealed through their own conduct, laws, and rituals. It would be hard to read sections of the Old Testament without seeing God addressing his people in light of different political and governmental structures, both within Israel and their engagement with other countries and nations. Our first reading today is from Ezekiel. His writings have much to do with temple worship and a promise of hope that flows from many seemingly mystical visions and imagery. But as spiritual as that was, it was always addressed to helping God's people live within the setting of the Babylonian exile. Under a foreign nation's ways of governance, that was coaxing greater forms of idolatry and infidelity away from God's ways. In Ezekiel, like all the prophets, we often hear the phrase, 
the word of the Lord came to me. This phrase is conveying that God is speaking through Ezekiel about the people of God's real life, their experience of navigating political and other human realities. In other prophets, we hear numerous names mentioned of foreign kings like Abimelech and Balak, and we glaze over these names due to the strangeness of them and the fact that this was so long ago. However, these names indicate that the scriptures recorded that through the prophets, God was addressing Israel's experience of particular kings and particular governments, hence political realities. Why did God do this? To help guide his people to live in this world while witnessing to him. And by doing this, men and women would be happy and peaceful because they would be living as they were created to be, the image and likeness of God. In the Gospels, at the very beginning of Jesus' earthly life, we hear about King Herod. And at the high point of Jesus' saving mission, we hear of Pontius Pilate. Both were political figures that God's activity addressed, touched, and engaged with intentional ways. In addition to this quick overview is the practical experience that both God's word, church teaching, and secular politics overlap and that they are all interested in human behavior, praising and endorsing some behaviors while condemning and making illegal other behaviors. Therefore, the notion that somehow as disciples of Jesus, who gather on Sunday to worship the Trinity, hear God's word, and be nourished by the miracle of the Eucharist, we should ignore politics, that notion would be unfaithful to the very Bible we pray with and the God we are attempting to imitate. So let us take a minute now and address the issue that has the Ohio bishops and many other groups so passionate at this time. It is simply called Issue 1. You can learn more of the specifics of this proposed state constitutional amendment on our new website, basilthegreat.org. On the first page, there is a blue bar near the top that if you click on it, it will take you to more information. But let us begin with a definition. Abortion is the intentional killing of a baby in the womb. At this point in human history, sound philosophy, theology, and the majority of science all honor the reality that human life begins at conception. We, followers of Jesus, believe that that human life is also intrinsically sacred. Human life is not sacred because it brings pleasure to others or because it is useful or productive but because God our Father has made a free and intentional choice to bring this human life into existence in his own image and likeness. So once again, we faithful Catholics are against any form of intentionally killing babies in the womb. Currently, in the state of Ohio, it is already legal to get an abortion up to the time of viability outside of the womb, around 22 weeks. In November... What is being voted on is a proposed change in our state's constitution so that abortion would be legally protected and therefore promoted up to all nine months of pregnancy, meaning a woman one day before her due date could intentionally terminate that baby. In addition to this, this new constitutional amendment would have no parental consent needed. So if a 15-year-old girl became pregnant, 
She would not have to tell her parents about it and could get an abortion without notifying her parents. Make no mistake, this November we are not voting on whether or not abortion should be legal in Ohio. It currently is legal. November's voting is about whether there ought to be a radical expanding of abortive rights in the Ohio Constitution that would result in millions of innocent babies killed and countless families torn apart. The bishops of Ohio have made it clear that we are all to vote no on issue one and to do our part in protecting life. At this point, I'd like to make mention to anyone who may have had an abortion or supported it in the past. Jesus' kindness and mercy are real. Abortion can be forgiven like any sin when repented of. And that healing journey is one the church wants to walk with you on so that you too can have in your heart the joy and peace that is evident in people who really know Jesus. Please do not let any sin keep you from the family of the church. We welcome everyone, no matter your past, who wants to be with Jesus. In addition, I have known the devastating effects abortion has on families, society, and in particular the women who have felt like that choice would solve their struggles. The painful effects of choosing abortion are lasting until one lets Jesus show his face and heart to them. So in order to protect not just innocent babies, but also all women, the church is speaking up. In conclusion, the gospel today shows Jesus talking about two sons. The one he praises put into action the father's request. So here are three things I'm inviting you to do. One, vote no on issue one this November. If you need more resources, you can go to the website basilthegreat.org. Two, please pray and fast. Both prayer and fasting for 2,000 years have accomplished untold miracles in the life of men and women, old and young, from transforming the European continent, which was originally a scene of tribal warfare, into center of rich cultural and human civilizations. Prayer, fasting, and living the gospel has also converted a debaucherous child-sacrificing culture like the Aztecs into a peaceful, family-based culture. Peoples and cultures have changed and do change, so let us turn to God for his help at this time. And number three, engage family and friends. This is the hardest one, I imagine. No need to fight, be mean or cruel, but we need to be present and engage this topic. There are organizations that are putting millions of dollars into our state to enshrine these abortive and anti-family legislative actions, and they're putting this amount of money in ads and campaigns precisely because they realize people can be swayed, influenced, and formed. Therefore, we must make sure we are working to influence and form people in the ways of God. God's preferred way of acting is working through us, especially when we feel weak and inadequate. Moses stuttered and spoke on behalf of God to Israel. Jeremiah was younger than those he corrected and called to holiness. David sinned greatly, but still was one of the greatest kings. Mary was a 14-year-old girl. Peter, a fisherman. Paul murdered early Christians before his conversion. Perhaps your willingness to engage friends and family 
may be for the voice that the Lord blesses to touch hearts and save lives. Finally, I know this topic and this homily made some happy and others angry. And while I sincerely want everyone I meet to like me and think the best of me, what I really want is for all of you to know the real Jesus. His eyes are fierce, but inviting. His voice is strong, but disarming. His friendship is a surprising, challenging, and intense adventure, and his mercy is endless. He always invites us to deep levels of union and intimacy. So I ask each of you, no matter what you're feeling right now about this homily, to take a few minutes in silence with me and let Jesus look at you. Let him see your heart as it is right now. Let us seek him by giving him access to us, not necessarily through words, but by silently letting him gaze upon you. His friend, you are the one he thinks is worth dying and rising for. So in silence, I ask you to simply say his name as a gesture of willingness to hear his voice speak to you as you are.